Open your Bibles with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And while you're turning, well, there's so much, so many things on my mind I'd like to say. Uh, we certainly want to keep in touch with each other. We're working on uh, maybe uh, uh, Facebook Live, live streaming uh, over the next couple of weeks or whatever. But anyway, uh, just uh, try to keep in touch. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is one of those very familiar verses of Scripture and also one of many that we are reminded of at times like this. And uh, I just want to call your attention to that verse and the context of it and the timing of it and what was taking the circumstances that were taking place even in the nation of Israel at that time. But if you've got your Bible open to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will what? Heal their land. And aren't you glad God's still a divine healer? Amen. Now, right now in our situation, we need a physical healing, and we're glad God's in control. But we need a spiritual healing. Amen. We may need an economical healing before it's over with. But whatever the type of healing is, God is truly the divine healer, isn't he? Now, I want you to notice that uh, God gives a promise in these verses, but he also gives a word of warning. And uh, you'll notice if you'll go back up with me beginning in verse, uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 10, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 10. And on the 3 and 20th day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart, for the goodness of who? The Lord. For the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. What a picture of prosperity. As a matter of fact, if you look at the first verse of chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of 20 years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house. So at least for 20 years, that's a pretty good chunk of life, isn't it? God had been prospering the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, under the rule of David, and especially under the rule of Solomon, King Solomon, Israel was at its peak of glory. Matter of fact, there's probably never been a nation, from, even from a human perspective, that was as magnificent as the nation of Israel was at that particular time, which is a picture, I believe, of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back again as King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, America has not replaced Israel, amen? I mean, I know we've got a literal nation of Israel on earth today, but, but the, uh, God did not replace Israel with America one day. But I'm going to tell you what, God's hand of blessing has been upon America, hadn't it, in a mighty supernatural way. But it's good for us to be reminded, and even the Word of God reminds us of this sometimes, that sometimes prosperity can destroy us. Prosperity can be one of the most dangerous times that an individual, a family, a church, or a nation can have. So it's, it, this is the timing of all this. Here right in the midst of, of 20 years at least of, of, of prosperity and the nation's at its peak of glory, notice what happens in verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, Now, by, 
the way, they didn't have a Bible like you and I have, and God did. God has always had certain methods of operation, and we have the Bible. We have the completed Word of God. I, I'm a little suspicious of people who tell me the Lord appeared unto them, amen, unless it's through the Bible in our day and time. But in, God, in that day and time, God appears to Solomon in verse 12, and, and he said unto him, Solomon, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Now watch this in verse 13. There's a lot of ifs in this passage of Scripture. Now, in, verse, in the midst of all this prosperity, God says in verse 13, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. That's famine. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. By the way, that's happening. Matter of fact, we just got a letter from one of our missionaries, uh, 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 Paul's there in East Africa. They're, they're dealing with, uh, with locusts, the devastation that locusts. And matter of fact, it hasn't reached the last we heard. It hadn't actually reached the exact area where they were, but it was getting close, and they were asking prayer about it. We just got a letter this week. So <laughs> these things are happening in parts of the world right now. Or if I send pestilence... And by the way, pestilence could certainly include even physical diseases and so forth. Now, the question's been asked right now. Some are asking, do, do, we, believe, do we believe that what's happening, this coronavirus, is, is a divine judgment of God on America and China and the rest of the world? Well, we don't know that. And anybody that claims to have, now there's always somebody that seems to have a corner on God's truth. They have a hotline right to the throne of God. They're dogmatic or can tell you everything. But I'd take that with a grain of salt. Amen. Then there are others who, who are foolish enough to deny that there even is a God and God has nothing to do with it. The truth is we don't know sometimes. Now we know in the Bible that yes, many times God has brought direct judgment on the nation of Israel and other nations of the world. And we know according to prophecy, it's going to happen again. Amen. But one thing for sure, God, whether these things are God's direct judgment or not, God does allow them to happen. Amen. God could have prevented them. He's a sovereign God. Do you believe that? So in that sense of the word, we could say, yes, God sends it all, whether it's a direct judgment of God or God just removes his hand and allows it to happen. But so, so there's a warning here, and yet there's a promise. There's a promise. Look at it in verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, the warning, or even this is a promise, it's a, it, it, God's just foretelling the truth. There's always going to be problems and trials individually, family-wise, church-wise, nation-wise, world-wise. Why? Because we're living in a world that's under the curse of sin. And there's always going to be crises along the way, whether they're direct judgment of God or God allows them to happen and so forth. These things are going to happen. And, and, and that's a part of it. But God said that God, the promise is that God's still there and God can help us if we're willing to turn to Him. How do you prepare for a crisis? How do you prepare? And how do you survive <laughs> when you're going through it without going from one extreme to the other or, or panicking or, or fear? Uh, uncertainty leads to fear. And fear, if you're not careful, leads to irrational behavior, doesn't it? And how do we handle Can I just share a few thoughts with you from verse 
14 especially, in the midst of how quick prosperity can change, how quick an individual life can change, family situation, a community, our whole nation, our whole... And by the way, whether you believe any of this has to do with the judgment of God, it certainly is a picture of what's going to happen in this world and some in our conversation. If you believe the Bible and take the book of Revelation literally, which Ken's preaching to us on Sunday nights, brother, this world, and even Jesus said there's a time coming that the world, that there's never been anything in human history to compare to. And there will never be anything after to compare to. Now, Jesus said that, amen. So certainly, even as we see the, the, the situations that can come about just through what we're going through right now, it's nothing compared to what's going to happen. So how do you prepare? How do you survive? Number one, if you look at verse 14, Jesus said, or, or, or the Word of God, the prophet of God said through his prophet here in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people, which are called by my name, now, I realize that God's speaking there to the nation of Israel, and they were God's chosen people at that time. And by the way, I still believe from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, as I understand the Bible, they are still God's chosen people. Amen? But applying that to you and me today, I'm not a Jew. I'm not, I don't belong to the Hebrew nation. I still believe they're God's chosen people. But you know what? In this New Testament age in which we're living, living in, Jesus is putting the church together. And if you are a born-again believer, you are a child of God. Amen? You're a child of God, and you can call yourself by the name of Christ, or if you want to use that as a name, you can call yourself a Christian. In John chapter 10, we won't turn there for lack of time, but you know that passage. Jesus said, I know my sheep, they know me, they hear my voice, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No, they shall never perish. What a promise of God. You know, I've heard, boy, there's been so many verses of Scripture. If you're on social media and so many things have been shared trying to give people peace and assurance. I remember especially someone said, hey, Romans 14, 8 says, if I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. Hey, whatever happens, happens. Well, we don't want to be fatalistic, and I'm not implying person that I heard say that was been fatalistic, but I tell you what, it's good to have that attitude as a child of God, amen, that, that nothing, nothing can give you the peace of heart and the assurance, whether you're on the mountaintop of prosperity or in the deep valley going through times like this, nothing can give you the peace and the assurance and the security that truly knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior can give you. Can you say amen to that? And so first of all, how do you prepare for crisis? How do you survive? You make sure you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Not just know about him, but make sure you've truly repented of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, because he's not only the gift of physical life, he's the gift of eternal life, isn't he? And I'll tell you what, knowing in your heart, not just a pie in the sky or some emotional statement to get you through some situation, but knowing, having that Holy Spirit wrought conviction in your heart that your sins are forgiven, you're a child of God, and you are God's people, and you know Him and He knows you. And then nothing, nothing in this world can give you the peace like knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then notice something else. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, 
humble themselves. Listen to this verse. Psalms verse nine, Psalm chapter 9, verse 20 says, Psalms 9, verse 20. The psalmist talking to God says, Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Think about that. The psalmist said, God, put the nations in fear that they may know themselves to be but men. I'll tell you one thing. Was God not saying to the nation of Israel at that time, remember now, for at least 20 years or more, they hadn't been nothing but prosperity. They were at the peak of glory, like Queen, Queen of Sheba, the kings and queens. As a matter of fact, they were, in, they were the envy of the nations of the world at that time. And God reminds them that there will be problems along the way, but you remember who brought you to where you are. By the way, that's good for me as an individual today, is it not? And I'll tell you one thing, have we not been culturally, culturally, and, and maybe in some ways none of us have been affected by anything except so far in, in, in this panic situation except going into a store and finding the toilet paper shelf empty. If that's the greatest tragedy we have to face, I guess we'll make it all right. But, uh, but you know, have we not been reminded how frail and weak and how quick things can change and how dependent we really are upon Almighty God? And how dependent we are upon each other because God does work through people. Amen. And not just trying to take care of ourselves physically, but being concerned and responsible for others' health as well. And looking out for others and making sure they have needs and medicines and, and whatever they may need during this time. Humbling our hearts before God. I thought about the book of Daniel. Boy, there are so many illustrations of this in the Bible. What about Nebuchadnezzar? There was the kingdom of Babylon. You go to the book of Daniel chapter 2, and he had a dream. And he wanted his wise men to not only interpret it, but tell him the dream again. <laughs> That's like one of you coming and saying, Hey, I dreamed a dream last night, Pastor, and I want to tell you, does this dream have any meaning to it? Well, tell me the dream. No, I want you to tell me what I dreamed. And they couldn't do it, but Daniel did. God revealed the dream to Daniel, and then Daniel interpreted, and Nebuchadnezzar said, Wow, what a great God you Hebrews worship. Why, he can even reveal dreams. He acknowledged, well, he's a, he's a great God among all the gods that mankind worships. And then in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in a fiery furnace for refusing to pray to Nebuchadnezzar or any other god, refused to bow the knee. They were supernaturally delivered, and you know the story. And Nebuchadnezzar said, wow, well, this God that you Hebrews worship is even greater than I thought. Well, he's even, he's even over all the angels and over all the spirit world, and he's even able to send his angel to deliver you from the fiery furnace. And then you go to the very next chapter, Daniel chapter 4, and Daniel interprets the true vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. And Daniel basically interpreted, he said, Nebuchadnezzar said, somehow you're learning, but you're not learning fast enough and God's not getting through to you. He's not just a great God among all the gods and he's not just the God of the angels and he sent an angel, but he's the only true living God and he's even ruler over you, Nebuchadnezzar. Now imagine that, he's the superpower of the world. 
And he says, as a matter of fact, God's going to give you seven years to learn. And Nebuchadnezzar for seven years looked like an animal, ate like an animal, basically lived like an animal. Now, the, the, the skeptics say, well, he had some kind of a chemical imbalance. He had some kind of a mental issue. Call it what you want. It may have been. It was still a direct divine judgment of God upon Nebuchadnezzar. Now, that doesn't mean that all mental conditions and, and chemical imbalances are judgments of God. But in Nebuchadnezzar's case, whatever it was, it was God's judgment. And after seven years... Nebuchadnezzar was finally humbled and acknowledged that, hey, God of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the true and living God. And I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be one bit surprised if I meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven one day. I'm probably going to be surprised at some people I don't meet in heaven, amen, that I thought was going to be there. What an illustration of how God can humble any nation, any family, any individual, Listen, God said, if my people, that's, today that's you and me. Now, now I, I still believe Israel's God's chosen people. If you're a born-again child of God, I've said this and I, I believe it, the greatest asset any nation has today is a true Holy Spirit-filled born-again child of God. Amen? Because God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and what? I've already mentioned some have mocked. I thought about this. I thank God we've got a vice president who, and I suppose as far as his life and testimony, we've seen no evidence to question whether he's a true born-again Christian. And there's always been those who mock, make a mockery of turning to God, praying at a time like this. You know what the Bible says? One day, one day those mockers, as a snail in the presence of a holy, righteous, almighty God. That doesn't mean they're going to disappear and just cease to exist and be annihilated. They meant just a glimpse of the holiness of God. They will melt away and literally, if you believe what the Bible says about the great white throne judgment, will be literally cast or slung away from God into an eternal lake of fire forever. Why should I let that man or woman intimidate me and make me feel ashamed of crying out to God? Now, the truth is it ought to burden our heart. It ought to break our heart that anybody might go out into eternity. They just need Jesus, amen. They need the Lord, amen. But that should not intimidate us. It should challenge our faith to bow the knee and cry out to God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 still says, Be careful for nothing. That word careful means to be overly anxious. Be concerned enough to take it to God in prayer. Give thanksgiving, supplicate. Take it. Be concerned enough to pray. Believe God, trust God, but be anxious over nothing. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that? You know one of the songs that God has used to minister my heart and many times over the last 50 years of my life since I really started, I guess, by the grace of God living for the Lord, I've thought of these words and sometimes got the hymn books out. And we can say what we want to. We're here today. We trust the Lord, but we're still human. And there are moments when our faith is tested and we're prone to worry. I love this hymn. Is there a heart overbound 
I saw that. Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross. Each burden bearing, all your anxieties, leave it there. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden you cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. You ever worry about your worrying? You ever get anxious over your anxieties? <laughs> no other friend so keen so to help you. No other friend so quick to hear. No other place to leave your burden. No other one to hear your prayer. Come then at once, delay no longer. Heed his entreaty, kind and sweet. You need not fear the disappointment. You shall find peace at the mercy seat. All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden, never a care. He cannot bear, never a friend like Jesus. Do you believe that? Isn't that wonderful? So what can we do? We can, first of all, make sure you're saved. Rest in the assurance that whether you live, you live unto Christ. Whether you die, you die unto the Lord. Amen. Humble ourselves before the Lord, and God help us to be thankful for all that we have in, in, in this nation in which we live. Pray. And then number four, and I'll wrap it up with this. He says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. May God help us as a nation, once again, to learn to obey God, to turn, to acknowledge our sins. Now, we can't be responsible for a whole nation of people, but we sure can be responsible for ourselves, can't we? Acknowledge our sins and turn from our wicked ways and seek to obey the Lord. And then God's promise is, at the end of that verse, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We had time to go to the rest of those verses in that chapter. Here's what God tells Solomon. Solomon, as long as you keep obeying me and obeying my commandments, I'll continue to bless your nation, your family, your individual lives. You start turning your back on me. Now remember, they're at their peak of prosperity. You start turning your back on me, start disobeying my word, and I'll destroy your temple. Your name shall become a byword among the people. And people will begin to all, now you're the envy of the world, but the day will come when they'll say, how could that have happened to Jerusalem? How could that have happened to the temple that Solomon built? And believe me, if we have any knowledge of the Old Testament at all, we know what happened, don't we? Why? Because they didn't take God at his word. They didn't heed his promise. So what can we do? We can ask God to help us at these times, as some have already prayed, to take inventory and ask God to search our hearts and use these times. And I thought about even one of our men mentioned, even some of the, like Sunday night, if we're not having church, or so, these are maybe more time we with our spouses and families can spend more time praying together and having family altar together and devotions together and, and ministering to one another and so forth and so on. Letting God use these times. Not to harden our hearts and drive us away, but to draw us closer to Him and closer to one another. Amen.
Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. Divine healing, whether it's physical, spiritual, economical, God has a way of reminding us just how dependent we are upon Him, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Father, I pray today that you will, Lord, as each of us, we all have our opinions and our way of perspective on things. God, I do pray that during these times we will individually and as families and as a nation, Lord, realize how much we have to be thankful for you. God, how good you've been to us, and we don't deserve it. It's your mercy and grace. And God, how dependent we are upon you. Our health, our life, every breath we take, even the food we eat, Lord. And we're reminded how quick, oh God, how quick the grocery sales can be emptied and so many things, Lord, that we just, we've just taken so for granted, so used to. So, God, I pray that during these times that we'll not be overwhelmed and full of worry and anxiety. Lord, that we'll look to you, allow the Holy Spirit to give us peace and joy that only you can give. But, God, at the same time, these are times we need to take inventory. God, you can help us to search our hearts and be drawn closer to you. You can strengthen our faith and help us to grow and not only be healed physically, but be healed spiritually and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God, use this in our lives, and then God, use us, as we sang earlier, to be channels of blessing and ministry to others during these days. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand, please, to your feet? And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and I don't know, I don't know, I believe the most important thing in this life is to know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior. And you know there could be, I don't know, there could be someone in this service this morning and there's a great big question mark in your heart. If you died right now, you don't really know for sure. You don't have that Holy Spirit wrought conviction. And without that assurance, there's no way in the world you could have the peace and confidence that you need in times like this. If you're here today, I'm going to ask the pianist to begin to play softly. Would you let one of our ladies or one of our men help you get that thing settled right now? Now, they may, this, they may not be anybody here today that has that need, but if that's your need, if that's your need, whether you're a member of this church or visiting, would you just meet me down here at the front and say, Pastor, would you let someone pray with me? Help me get that thing settled right now. The most important thing in my life right now is knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you come right now and let someone help you with that? And while we're waiting for that one to make that decision, maybe right where he or she's standing, let's ask God to help us. Not only does our nation need healing, in one way or another, we all need areas of improvement in, to grow in. May God help us to be thankful, to humble our hearts before Him, to seek His face, His blessing, His pleasure, His exaltation. 
lift our hearts in praise and worship to Him. Not just what's good for us, but how can God be honored? How can God be glorified? How can we use this as an opportunity to be a witness to others, to challenge one to turn to God, or share the gospel, or get the gospel out to a lost world? Just ask God to, yes, strengthen your faith, to minister to you and your family. But the bottom line to all of this is that Almighty God be honored and glorified and worshiped. And Jesus Christ received the preeminence. Let's view his name. Amen. If you have any burden on your heart at all that we can help you with, and ask Marion to finish this verse, and that'll be all. If we can help you as you come. And all the Lord's people said, Amen.